being here. Uh, as you know, Pastor and First Lady are in North Carolina at the moment. And uh, they are at our sister church at Kingdom Church, Kingdom Christian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm sure my dad is probably tearing it up right now uh, up there as he normally does when he goes down there. But uh, I want to give them uh, their due honor. Uh, uh, those are my parents as well. But first and foremost, they, they're my pastors. And so I honor them as the uh, pastor and the first lady of this church. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> want to give uh, honor to all of the ministers here as well. Amen. All of the ministers, deacons, and uh, elders here, uh, we thank God for you, um, and we uh, we honor you as well. And then lastly, uh, I want to honor everybody that's here, all of the KCOH members and everybody that's come to worship with us today. We thank you, and we're grateful to have you. Uh, we're going to get into the word today, uh, but before we do that, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for this time. <clears throat> thank you, Lord, for who you are, God. Father, we just, we thank you and we praise you, God. We praise you, Lord, for who you are to us, God. Father, you've been so good to us and Father, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for this, this message, God. We thank you, Lord, for all the things that you're going to be doing today, God. The, the leading of the Holy Spirit, Father. I, myself, humble myself before you, God, in all humility, God, and I pray that you use me as your vessel, God. Speak through my mind. Speak through my lips, God. All you, none of me, in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we bind the hand of the enemy that will try to come against this message, that will try to deter people from paying attention or staying awake. We bind the hand of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. Any demonic spirits that will try to come against this word, that will try to come against this service, we bind the hand of the enemy in the name of Jesus. And we take authority of it. By Jesus' name, and we love you today. We bless you today, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Well, if y'all didn't know, uh, it's been on the, uh, the announcements for about two, three months now, but uh, there is a KCOH member that just got married yesterday. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's, that's, my, that's my brother, man, Brother Pat. Um, I, I kind of look at him as a, as an older brother. Um, there's so much that he's actually helped me with and, you know, talking to him. And uh, he's helped me out a lot. And so to see him uh, get married and if, you, if you've been here, you already know the story. <laughs> yeah, that brother went through a lot. But he's married to the, to the right woman. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, he's married to the right woman. And so uh, we got uh, the lovely Cassie June coming down if y'all don't know she is the or she was the praise and worship leader at kcc um at kingdom christian church so she'll be coming down uh with brother pat pretty soon so we congratulate them amen uh and many people that were at the wedding today they flew back yesterday so i know y'all tired man so we i ain't gonna keep y'all long today amen i'm gonna let y'all go ahead get y'all rest get home and be safe. But before we do that, uh, we're going to get into the word. Amen. Is that all right? Amen. All right. Um, as I was preparing this message, I'm going to just be honest. I had a hard time and I don't I don't know why uh, I was having such a difficult time putting together this message. But I do believe that the Lord has some things to say 
Um, and Brother Dwayne this morning at 8 a.m., he kind of touched on some of the stuff that I was going to preach on, brother. I don't know if you want to come back up here and just kind of finish it out because that brother was going off at 8 a.m. He's talking about the finished work. Yeah, he's talking about the finished work and, and, and seeing, basically seeing the end from the beginning. And, uh, you know, the, the, the laws and stuff that's put in place, that's put in motion and how the word is, you know, it's, it's been here since the, the beginning of time and it'll be here to the end of time. Amen. And following God's will and doing that. And so that was a great word. And I'm just going to build on that. Amen. Um, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Second Kings 6, chapter 6, 14, verses 14 through 18. We're going to read those scriptures really quickly. And like I said, hopefully I won't be before you long. Well, I know I won't be before you long. Hallelujah. <clears throat> now, in this passage, I'm going to give you all a little context. Um, <clears throat> so this is in the Old Testament, of course, right? This is the Old Testament. And um, there was a country by the name of Syria uh, who were against uh, Israel. So Israel was God's people. Okay, anybody familiar with that? Anybody familiar with Israel being named as God's people, as modern-day Jews or whatever? Um, and so the army of Syria was going against Israel, the army of Israel. Okay, so that's just, just some context for you, uh, for those that, don't, that haven't read this passage. Uh, if, you, if you read the Bible, it's got a lot of good stuff in there. You should read it sometime. Uh, it's a good book. I like the book, and uh, it's helped me out a lot. Amen. All right, starting at verses 14, <clears throat> so it's talking about the, the Syrian king. It says, therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by the night and surrounded the city. So it surrounded the, the army uh, of Israel. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? And so he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. I want you to repeat this after me. God needs me to see when I fight. All right, let's go over to Numbers uh, chapter 22, verses 22 and 23. We're going to skip down to verse 29 through 31. If you didn't know, we read the Bible here at this church, amen? So we're going to be going through some scripture, amen? Like I said, the Bible's a good book. You should read it sometime. Every answer that you need to all your problems, every situation, you, don't, you ain't got a money problem. You got a word problem. You just need to learn how to apply the word to your life, right? If you ain't got no money in the bank, it's because you you're not applying the word to your life. Y'all, we just got to be honest with ourselves. That's really what it is. That's really the missing pieces in our lives. If we have lack, we need the word of God to be able to apply our faith to so that it can work in our lives. Amen? All right, so Numbers 22, verses 22 through 23. Uh, 23. Then God's anger was aroused because he went 
And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. So this is talking about Balaam, okay? Balaam and the donkey. If, you ever, if you're familiar with this passage, that God opened the donkey's mouth to speak to Balaam, all right? So this is the only passage where uh, we see recorded other than the serpent where an animal spoke, okay? God opened the animal's mouth. And in verse 23, it says, Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Let's skip down to verse 29. And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have abused me, I wish there was a sword in my hand, for now I will kill you. So basically, this man was going on a journey, okay? The Lord told him, uh, I think to wait, and he, he went ahead and went anyway, right, against the Lord's wishes, right? So he's on his donkey, and he's going on a journey uh, against the Lord's wishes to wait. And then God opens the donkey's mouth to try to get the man's attention and say, hey, man, hey, can you not do this? We, we not, there's an angel up there, right, with a sword. He's going to kill us if we get up there. Don't, don't, we, don't, we don't need to go this way, Right? Balaam ignored the donkey. He said, you know, got mad at the donkey, whatever. Told him he was, the donkey he was going to kill him. So then the donkey in verse uh, 30 says, so the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden? And ever since I became yours to this day, was I ever disposed to do this to you? And he said, no. Man, this sounds like some Shrek stuff. Y'all remember Shrek <laughs> with donkey? Yeah, this is funny. And then verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. The Lord opened Balaam's eyes. Uh, repeat this after me. God needs me to see when I go. All right. Let's turn over to Genesis 21, verses 14 through 19. Some of y'all, if y'all are real smart, you notice in a pattern here. With the scriptures. Genesis 21. Taking me some time. Amen. 21 verses 14 through 19. So Abraham rose early in the morning. It's talking, this scripture is talking about Abraham and uh, his, uh, his servant. So Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and a skin of water and putting it on her shoulder and gave it to her and to the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Now, let me stop right there, give you a little bit of context. Abraham, uh, we've all heard of Abraham, amen? Okay. So we've all, we all know who Abraham is. Abraham uh, had a wife named Sarah. Sarah couldn't bear any children. So uh, even though God had promised Abraham already that he was going to have a child, uh, Sarah convinced Abraham uh, to let her servant be impregnated by Abraham. Okay. Now, that, that, uh, there was some threesome stuff going on there, too. That's a little weird. Okay. But he said he, the, the, the wife instructed for Abraham to impregnate her servant so that he could finally have a child. Right. So the servant's name was Hagar. Okay. Now, when uh, the boy got older, his name was Ishmael, when she had a child. The God-promised child, which was Isaac, 
the child he had with that Abraham had with Sarah, he grew up and there started to be conflict between the two brothers, between Ishmael and Isaac. Modern day, uh, that's uh, Israel and the Middle East. That's what you see modern day. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> so as we read in the scripture, the, the, the Sarah, you know, basically told Abraham, look, they, they need to go. Okay. And the Lord said, listen to Sarah. So he's sending the servant and his child away. So in verse 15, it says, and the, the water in the skin was used up because they drunk it. Hagar and her son drunk it. And uh, she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. So she just threw him under the shrub, abandoned him. Okay. Verse 16. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance uh, of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite to him and lifted her voice and wept. So at this point, they had run out of food. They had run out of water, right, after leaving the camp. And uh, so now she just gave up. My, my, my son's going to die, whatever. And then we're going to look at verse 19. I'm sorry, verse 17. Uh, and God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not. For God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. Now, to, when I was reading this passage, I was like, okay, she got eyes. I know she can see. The Bible says she didn't say she was deaf. But the Lord, it said the Lord opened her eyes so that she could see the well of water. Didn't make sense to me. But then it says, verse 20, so God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. I need you to repeat this after me once again. God wants me to see so that I may survive. So if you notice, the common thing with all these scriptures is sight. It's funny, and it's uh, funny to me. That in all these scriptures, not one time, like I said with uh, Hagar, in all these scriptures, nobody was blind. Everybody had the ability to see with their physical eyes in each one of those scriptures that we just read. So what eyes are they talking about? What eyes are, was God actually opening? Well, we finna find out. But before we do that, we have to understand that there is another side or in terms of uh, <laughs> we're talking about alternate universes, there's another realm. See, a lot of times as people, we are looking at the world with our natural eyes where we can physically see, taste, touch, hear, smell. But the whole time that we're doing that, there's another realm that's actually in motion as well. You got the natural realm, but you also have the spiritual realm. It's, it's, it's interesting to me that a lot of people who call themselves Christians, and I wouldn't even say Christians, are church folk, religious folk, people that have that are familiar with God and, oh, yeah, the man upstairs and all that, right? 
you know, people that say, you know, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. Y'all know them people, right? The older women, but they still be cursing and, you know, going out and partying and drinking on the weekends, but, you know, then they go tell you God is good, but then they curse you out the next moment. Yeah, those type of people, those type of, of Christians and religious folks, right? Yeah, that it's funny to me that you call yourself a Christian, you call yourself a believer, but we see no remnants or no evidence of the supernatural working in your life. That's a telltale sign to me when I'm out and evangelizing and witnessing the people and I'm talking to them. They have no signs of the supernatural actually working in their lives. Right? The fact is, is that you need spiritual sight in order to be spiritually successful. God needs you to see when you fight. God needs you to see when you go. And God needs you to see so that you can survive. All three of these things are important when it comes to your Christian life and your relationship with Jesus. So now, now that we established, you know, that God needs you to see, he needs you to open your spiritual eyes. What's the opposite of sight? Blindness, right? So let's find out in the scripture what the word says about spiritual blindness. Let's turn over to 2 Corinthians 4 and 3 through 4. Let's turn over there real quick. We got up on the screen. Hmm. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Or another word would be, but even if our gospel is blinded, it is blinded to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. The God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Now, I know a lot of y'all reading that like, what is that? Okay. Let me break it down for you. Basically, what he's saying is the actual gospel, salvation, right, that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for our sins and all that, right, so that he could become Lord of our lives and Savior of our lives, right? That gospel is veiled to a lot of people. It's, people are blinded. They can't see it. So even when you're going out and you're witnessing the people and you're telling them about Jesus, they still go, Oh, man, I'm good. It was so funny. I was going out evangelizing yesterday, and it was funny to me talking to people. And I'm like, you know, hey, man, there's a church. We got a church in the community. Why don't you come and join us and worship with us? And they go, ah, oh, no, nah, I'm good. I'm okay. I don't need all that, right? Those are the people that are blinded. Because if they actually could see with their spiritual eyes, they would know that they're actually on their way to hell. Come on, somebody. You have to be able to see. In order to survive. That was one of the points, right? The gospel is veiled to them. By who? By who? By who? Who's the God of this world? The devil. By Satan himself. Veiling them. Blinding them. Y'all, please stay with me because it's about to get good. First, uh, uh, let's go to Zephaniah 117. Zephaniah 117. And that's in the back, the back, back of the Old Testament. 
It's right after uh, uh, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. <laughs> Zephaniah 1.17. I will bring distress upon men and they shall walk like blind men. Because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like refuse. And they will walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. So if you're writing, write this down. Sin always brings blindness. That is why Pastor, Pastor Rondi, preaches so hard against sin. Because it spiritually blinds you. So if you're living in sin, i.e. one of the biggest ones, to everybody's fornication, sexual sin. If you're living in sexual sin, it blinds you from the truth, right? It blinds you from God actually, from seeing God actually being able to work in your life, okay? Sin blinds you, and that's the opposite of sight, right? Now, we both, we've established what spiritual sight is, We've established what spiritual blindness is and what causes spiritual blindness, right? Which is sin. So let's identify ourselves. Where are most people today? Where the people that go to church every now and again or every Sunday or whatever, the religious folk, where are they actually today? Where are we actually today? Turn over to Matthew 13. And uh, we're going to look at uh, chapter 13 and verse 13 through 15. I told you we was going, we're we, we going to be going through these scriptures in the Bible today. Because I, I want to paint a picture for you. Okay. Chapter 13, verses 13 through 15. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see. And hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. Seeing and you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have done grow. Their ears are hard of hearing. <laughs> I like this. And their eyes they have closed, lest they could see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. Right there in that verse, it says, and their eyes, they have closed. Now, wait a minute. Hold on. So, we've established what spiritual sight is. We've established what spiritual blindness is. But it says right here in this scripture that their eyes, they have closed. So, spiritual blindness is not something that can happen against my will. I have to physically close my eyes and keep them shut in order for me to be blind. I'm not blinded. You remember in all these passages we just read? Nobody was physically blind, right? Nobody in the passages that we just read was physically blind, right? But the le we, we read the servant Hagar, right? She couldn't see. It was a well right there the whole time, but the Lord had to open her eyes so that she could see. With Hagar, the reason why she couldn't see that well in front of her 
It's because she had already decided that her and her son was going to die. She had already lost hope. She had already given up and said, that's it. So her eyes were closed. She was spiritually blind because she made a decision to be. If you write and write this down, the reason why spiritual blindness happens is because people decide to be blind. Spiritual blindness is a decision. It's up to you. Whether you want to be spiritually alert or spiritually dull, it's up to you. It's your decision. We just read where Jesus talked about it. Today, in, in this modern-day world, there are two types of carnal Christians and religious folks that you're going to meet. You're going to meet those that refuse to see their reality and those that only look at their reality. Boy, I'm going to preach this. Christians believe, the, the, the religious folks, the problem with them is either they are so stuck in who they are as a person, their job security, uh, their friends, uh, their money, the money they got in their bank, the people that they're around, their relationships. They're so stuck in who they are in their reality, they never see past it. They never see past their lives, right? Then you got other Christians who refuse to see their reality, who don't look at all of the stuff that's going on. They, they refuse to see all of the sins that they're doing. And they just, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm good with God. Anybody ever met people like that? I'm good, me and God good, that's my homie, that's the homie. We cool, we good, I don't need to change nothing, I don't need to do nothing different. I'm happy with who I am. Those are the two main religious people that you're going to meet. People that are so stuck in their reality that they're not going to change. And then the people that refuse to look at their reality because they're not going to change. So what is the solution to this problem? Let's get into the solution. 2 Corinthians 4.18. We're going to go back to 2 Corinthians. We're actually going to be in 2 Corinthians a lot today. Amen. I'm told you I'm painting a picture for y'all. Second Corinthians four eighteen. Oh Lord, it's a lot of pages. <laughs> While we do not look at the things which are seen, oh, talking about sight again. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Wait, 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 hold on. Let's go back again. I'm not blind. I I can physically see. How can you look at the things that are not seen? Obviously, there is another realm, the spiritual realm. It's not talking about the physical. It's talking about the spiritual, right? For we do not look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal, you ever think about how much stake we put into and how much trust we put into the physical world and what we can see when all of this is going to be gone within a matter of years and put absolutely no stake into the spiritual room, which is going to be there forever? 
So when you're talking about your job security and the money and your relationships and all that, that stuff ain't going to last. But we got to call you, text you, hey, man, where you at? Hey, where you at? To see where you, when you're going to come back to church. See, that's the spiritual thing. That's the spiritual side that we're talking about. The things that you, God has actually called you to do in this earth, we got we to gotta stay with you and we got to go, hey, man, what, what you doing? Are, are you, are you, you, still, you still walking with God? Oh, man, I'm doing, my, you know, I'm doing my thing. I'm just, you know, I'm chilling. Right? Putting all the stake in the temporary, the things that they, that they see, instead of putting their, all their stake into the spiritual side of things. Your, your calling, your destiny, your purpose, what God has called you to do, who he's called you to be, where he's called you to go. Those are all the spiritual, eternal things that matter. So what is the solution? The solution is to fix your eyes on the things that you cannot see. The reason most believers fail is because they only look at the things that are visible. They're distracted. We have a lot of things to distract us these days. Uh, number one, social media. I know we pick on it a lot at this church. But I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to give you a, a, a quick testimony. I came off of social media, uh, I want to say about a year and a half ago. Okay. And uh, I went back on it for a little bit during the whole political thing, right? Then I went back off of it for real. So now I've officially been off of it for like eight months or something like that. And uh, I'm going to tell you, ever since I did that, I've seen God move in my life in a supernatural way. Like, it's just like who God has called me to be, you know, my assignment, my purpose, which is ministry and all those things, it's sped up. And I can't really explain that to you. All I can say to you is, is that social media, it, it, it's a distraction and it gets in the way of what God has really called you to do if you put your stake into it. You know, when I was uh, doing my, my rap career, uh, for those of y'all that don't know, I did have a Christian rap career. And I do quote unquote because it wasn't really a career because I wasn't getting paid. But, uh you know, uh, from the age of 19 to 22, I was really taking it serious. And I had convinced myself that, yeah, you know, I'm supposed to be rapping. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what God has called me to do. And I had a, a, a dad by the name of Pastor Rondi. Of course, y'all know him. And uh, uh, First Lady Regina. And they're just looking at me like, bro, do you not see what's... We have a church here. I don't know if you noticed. There's a whole church Right here. And you talking about you going to be a rapper? What's... I was like, yeah, man, you know, I'm going to lead people to Christ. Young people, young people like Christian rap, man. They like rap. I'm going to lead a lot of young people to Christ. I led nobody to Christ from Christian rap. Nobody. Nobody. But when I'm walking in my purpose and I'm walking in the calling and God, I allow God to open my spiritual eyes to see, hey, man. This is what you're supposed to be doing right here. And I let go of the Christian rap, even though I had people coming to me talking about, hey, man, we can get you a deal. Hey, man, we can get you over here and you can blow up and all this. I put all of that aside, allow God to open my spiritual eyes, and I saw this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed, my life is for ministry. It's set apart for ministry. So when I go out 
to evangelize on yesterday and I lead a man to Christ, I don't get that if I stay with my spiritual eyes closed. But it was my fault. It was my fault. I had closed my eyes to where God really wanted me. But it was right in front of me. I was coming to church every Sunday. Y'all saw me? I was here every Sunday, every Wednesday, playing on the drums. I was right here. But I was blinded to the truth because I had chose to close my spiritual eyes. The reason most believers fail is because they're only viewing the things that are visible. I was looking at the fame. I was looking at people knowing my name. Y'all know how I go. Man, you know how I go. Instagram, IG, all these rappers, they be flexing. They got the chains and all that stuff. And then put God's name on it. I was going to stamp Jesus' name on all that. I was looking at all of that, but I was physically, I was spiritually blinded. I needed I need spiritual sight. If you're writing, write this down. If you want supernatural results, you have to look and see in the supernatural. It's the only way you're going to get supernatural results. You have to be willing to look and see into the supernatural. Now, I know some of y'all are asking, well, he's been up here talking about the supernatural. How do I get to look and see in the supernatural? All right. The only way that you can see into the supernatural in this life is by a little F word that we call faith. It's the only way. The scripture says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't walk by what we physically can see. And that's the part that a lot of people struggle with. Jesus said that this generation, the last generation, was faithless, had no faith. Really, in all actuality, and I'm, what I'm going to say is very strong. I've n- never heard nobody say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it because the Lord's been laying it on my heart. We, if you have sin in your life and you have a problem with sin in your life, it's not just a sin problem. It's a word problem. Amen. But. Faith is based on his word. Faith is based on belief in his word. So we can interchange that. If you have sin in your life and you're constantly sinning, you don't have a sinning problem. You have a faith problem. You have not fully invested your belief in the word of God so that the word of God can work on you. So you wouldn't sin. Let's go to Hebrews 11.1. We all know the scripture. Faith is the only way you get to see in the supernatural. It's the only way in in this life. God didn't say that we should be walking by signs, wonders, and miracles. See, that's what a lot of Christians and believers, at KCOH at least, because, you know, Pastor Ronnie is really one of the only pastors that I know that's really walking in size wonders and miracles here in Houston at, at a church. But see, that's what a lot of people that come through here, that's kind of what they do, Diamond. They come in here and they receive a word from Pastor Ronnie, right? 
And then they go back to their life, and their life is trash. It ain't changed. All right? They come in here, get, laid, get, get hands laid on them, right? They were sick, then passed around to get some word from God, then get their hands laid on them, and then they're healed. But then they go back to, to their regular life, and it's still bad. Why? Why is that? Because God didn't call us as Christians to walk by signs, wonders, and miracles. He called us to walk by faith. You come in here getting a word from Pastor Rondi, it's not going to change your life. Your, your personal life, your, your, your life where Pastor Rondi's not nowhere around, the rest of the days that you're not at church, those are the days that really count. All Pastor Ronnie's doing for signs, wonders, and miracles is what? It's for the unbeliever. For the people who don't believe in God. That's all signs, wonders, and miracles for. So when you see Pastor Ronnie lay hands, when you see Pastor Ronnie call out somebody being sick or giving a word of knowledge, know this. It's only for the unbelievers. God wants to show himself to unbelievers. But for you as a believer, your first and, uh, and, 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 and most important priority needs to be walking in faith daily. That's it. Hebrews 11.1. 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtain a good testimony. Now, if you infuse what I've been talking about, which is sight, amen, spiritual sight, not only is faith the evidence of things not seen with our physical eyes, but it is the evidence of things seen with our spiritual eyes. Now, I really want you to get this point. The reason why we, this church is not filled up to the brim right now is because we have a lot of people at this church who has not seen it filled up with their spiritual eyes. You have to be able, before you get something in God, by faith, you have to be able to see it before you get it. That's how you know when you're in faith. When I can see myself discipling somebody, bringing somebody to the Lord, if I can see myself in the spiritual doing it, then it's going it's to manifest itself in the physical. Because what? The spiritual is always there, right? It never leaves. It never goes. It's always there. The spiritual world was here before you was born. The spiritual world is going to be here after you die. It's always here. It's always dependable. Come on, somebody. So why are you steady trying to depend on what you can physically see? Uh, yeah, I don't see myself doing that. Or I don't see myself doing that. I don't see myself being in ministry. Or I don't see myself being in no church. Or I don't see myself fully invested in the church and what God has called me to be and what he's called me to do. Before you do all that, make sure that you spiritually can see yourself doing it. You don't have to turn there, but Habakkuk 2.4 says the just shall live by faith. That's the latter half of the, the verse. The just shall live by faith. Are you just? Are you righteous? These are questions you ask yourself. If you are, if you're a Christian, you, you're just. You're righteous. The Bible says that you shall live by faith. So not only should we live by 
by the evidence of things that we can see, but we should live by the evidence of things that we can only see in the spirit. Are y'all catching what I'm talking about here? I'm trying to, I'm really trying to explain it as best as I can. Now, remember I said, let's go back. Spiritual sight is based off the word of God. The word of God brings faith so that you can see in the supernatural. Okay. All right. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5-7. And this part right here, this is where I, I got so happy. I, I was like, goodness gracious. The revelation that God gave me on this was uh, amazing. 2 Corinthians 5-7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm going to read it again. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes. Well pleased rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm going to read it again. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. I've heard a lot of pastors and preachers use this scripture to mean that I, when I die, I get to be with the Lord. Can we go to John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now here's my question to you. When does everlasting life start? Everlasting life starts at the moment you accept Jesus Christ in your heart. That's when everlasting life starts. A lot of people quote that verse and think, Oh, it's when I die. No, 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 no. Everlasting life starts when you get saved. Come on, somebody. So, so let's go back. Let's go back. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, and well pleased, rather be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. In order for God to work in your life, you have to be absent, in a, in a sense, from your flesh and what you can see in order for you to spiritually see and be present with the Lord. You can be present with the Lord right here on earth. You got Jesus Christ living on the inside of you. That means you have become a new creature. Come on, somebody. That means you're no longer the old person that you used to be. You're the new creature that God has made you to be. So now you get to be present with the Lord here. Come on, somebody. So I don't have to, to, to bow down to the devil. I don't have to bow down to sin. I don't have to bow down to what the world wants me to do. I get to do what God wants me to do and be present with him right now, right here. And I, be a, I, I get the ability to be able to see into the spiritual room. We know the scripture that all the promises of God are yes and amen. 
And the Lord uh, shared with me very recently about his promises. His promises are yes and amen to us. But for him, they're not promises. They're prophecy. This is looking at scripture in this, in this way that I'm, that I'm talking about, and I, and I hope you, you caught that. It allows you for your spiritual eyes to be fully open so that you can see things before they happen in faith. Okay? Knowing the word of God is prophecy, it changes. It, it doesn't make it higher. It doesn't make it come true faster. But it's something that your faith can grab a hold on to. I, I don't know how to explain it other than a lot of times when if pastor stands up here and he gives a prophetic word, a lot of us will go, that's going to come. That's going to come to pass. That's true. It's going to happen because pastor said it. But we got the word of God right here. Many times we put our stake in our belief on a, a man of God that God is used, using to prophesy over the actual word of God. But we need to understand that the word of God itself is prophecy. So if we can, if we can look at the word of God in that light of prophecy, then we can lay the same faith that we would use to hold on and latch on to pastor's word or his prophecy. We need to be able to do that with the actual word of God. If we do that, we have spiritual sight. We're able to see in the supernatural. We can see things before they happen and we can get them and pull them into the, to the physical realm by faith. Is, is what I'm saying working together? I'm really trying to put this together. Okay. God's word is prophecy. It's a promise to us because it hasn't happened yet. That's what a promise is, right? You know, uh, the, 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 the scripture, uh, Ephesians 3.20, right, talks about, you know, him blessing you uh, above everything that you could ever ask for or think of all that, right? Yeah. So if you're looking at your bank account, you got zero dollars in it. You're not blessed, Right? You, you're not physically blessed, but you are blessed in the supernatural. If you lay hold of that word, which is a promise to you that you will be blessed. Right? But for God, God's saying if you lay hold of this word, this will come to pass. So that is prophecy. Okay. In order to lay hold of his promises, we must have faith in his prophecy, which is the word of God. It's important to note that in all these scriptures, when we're talking about spiritual sight and being able to see into the supernatural, we have to be able to open our spiritual eyes, right, and not close them. The moment we close them, there's no supernatural sight. So if you come up in a situation where <laughs> You feel like you're going to leave the church or you're going to do something and God ain't told you to do that. God ain't told you to leave. God ain't told you to not plant your feet here. It's because you're spiritually blinded. You need your spiritual eyes open. And the only way you keep your spiritual eyes open is through the word of God. Now, 
what do you need faith, spiritual eyes open, and all that for on the earth? What is the main thing? Okay. And this is my last point, and this is going to hit home for everybody in here. I'm, I, am I doing okay? I, I, I really try to put this together, okay? This is, when the Lord showed me all this, I was like, Lord, okay, I don't, I'm trying to put it together, Lord. I don't know if it's going to make sense, but I'm trying, I'm trying to put it together. I probably can say it better in tongues than I can in actual English, okay? But the main goal for faith and being able to see in the supernatural, the reason why God needs to have your needs you to have your spiritual eyes open is because of your assignment on the earth. That's the reason. There's no other reason. It's your purpose and what God has called you to be. You, what he's called you to be. That's why he needs your spiritual eyes open. That's why you have to be able to use your faith to get the things of God so that you can fulfill your assignment, your destiny, your calling on the earth. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.10. The judgment seat of Christ. And this is the seat where Christ is going to judge all believers or all people who call themselves Christians. Verse 9, it says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For verse 10, we, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So going back to my testimony, when I was trying to be a world-renowned Christian rapper, the Lord was calling me to ministry. I wasn't doing nothing in Christian rap but, you know, stroking my ego and thinking about how good of a rapper I was and excited about all 10 fans I had. That's all, that's all it was about. And looking back, one of the things that God shared with me and the reason why I now take ministry very serious, like extremely serious, like the most serious thing in my life at this point, it's because of this scripture right here. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So all those years, Sister Nikki, I was supposed to be in ministry. God is going to judge me for those years that I missed. So if I was called to the ministry at 19, Diamond, if I was called to the ministry at 18, and I was spending my time doing music, all those years that I was supposed to be doing ministry, he's going to judge me for it. My works, what I did during that time. Do we have that verse in the Amplified? Can we put that verse in the Amplified? Because I want you to see this. For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been and what he has achieved, been busy with and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. But let, let's go back up there. I just noticed something. It says that so that each one may receive his pay according to what he's done in the body, whether good or 
evil. Can Christians do evil? Obviously, we they can. We just read it. So you think, oh, I'm off the hook. No, 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 no. No, you're not off the hook just because you call yourself a Christian and just because you come to church to sit your behind down in the seat. You're not off the hook. It says that they're going to be judged, that we're going to be judged for our works, whether good or evil. So there are actually Christian people that are going to get to go to heaven. They're going to be judged for evil works, for evil choices, for evil decisions. Now, I know a lot of y'all go, well, okay, well, what's evil? Like killing somebody? No, 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 no. All those years I was not walking in the will of God when I was rapping instead of in the ministry, God calls that evil. Do you see how high the bar is raised? Considering what his purpose and motive have been and what he has achieved, been busy with, given himself and his attention to accomplishing. Look at been busy with. What have you been busy doing? What have you been busy with? So, Roy, if you were supposed to get so-and-so saved back in 2018 and you didn't, you was busy doing something else, you're going to be judged for that. Now, a lot of us still don't look at this uh, look at this passage and go, okay, all right, we're going to be judged. Yeah, so what? We're going to be in heaven. I know a lot of y'all say, well, I wasn't called to ministry like you, like you're talking about. I'm not called to be in a pulpit minister or preacher or pastor or anything like that. God, I don't feel like God has called me to that. But in the scripture where it says works, you could easily exchange that word for ministry. I had a conversation with somebody the other day, and they say, well, I, I don't understand why I got to do all this and be all this. I'm not a minister. Yes, you are. Your life is a ministry. I know y'all, I know y'all, y'all look at uh, Pastor Joel Osteen, and y'all say, oh, Joel Osteen don't be preaching the word. He don't be bringing the word. I, I have people ask me about that all the time. Joel, what you think about Joel? Do you think Joel Osteen really preaches the word? I say, hey, man. I can't worry about Joe Osteen's ministry. I got my own ministry to worry about. I got my own ministry to worry about. Y'all, I don't, I don't know how y'all look at yourselves, but if you call yourself a Christian, you a minister. And people are looking at your life, at the things that you're doing, at the things that you're concerned with, at the things that you're busy with, and they're judging to see whether it's good or evil. That is why we must be able to see in the supernatural. That's what we need faith for. We need it to be able to fulfill what God has called us to do and be in this world. Every one of you in here, you're a minister. You have a ministry. Your life is a ministry. If you're not leading people to Christ, you're not discipling nobody, God calls that evil. He says those are evil works. Things that you're busying yourself with that it has nothing to do with the kingdom are evil. That's why I got off of social media. 
That's why I stopped rapping. So that God could work through my life. And that my ministry, when I get to heaven, will be judged for good works only. That's my question to you today. If God, if you die right now and you went to heaven, if God judged all that you're doing, would he judge your works as good or as evil? That's what we need spiritual sight for. That's what we need faith for, is to be able to fulfill the calling and destiny that we have, that God has for us in this life. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. Many of us, we look at ourselves too smallly. We're too small. We only look at the natural physical realm, what we're doing, our jobs. I'm only, I work at Walmart. I ain't a nobody. That's all I do. All I do is work as a, a postman. All I do is work at some electrical company. I'm not no minister. I'm not no pastor. I'm not no preacher. But if you notice in the Bible, Jesus was a carpenter. His dad was a carpenter. Other people in the Bible, David was a harpist. Esther was just a normal girl. All these people that I just mentioned, they were minimal, small. David was a shepherd as well. Tending to sheep. Those were small roles. Those weren't big roles. But they were able to use their spiritual sight to see and do what God had called them to do. So David, with his spiritual sight, saw himself as king and then became king. Esther, with her spiritual sight, saw herself as queen and then became queen. Jesus, with his spiritual sight, all those years that he was studying, even though he was a carpenter, he saw himself as a savior of the world and then became the savior of the world. Your identity is not in what you do in this moment. Your identity is not what your bank account looks like at this moment. Your identity is not the people around you at this moment. Identity in Christ Jesus, if you call yourself 